Everyone, we continue our read-through of the New Testament. And today we bring Peter's second letter to a close in 2 Peter 3. Peter has just laid out the dangers and the judgment that will befall false teachers. And now he turns to another specific and difficult topic. And that is the issue of scoffers who question whether Jesus will come back. And we read for 2 Peter 3. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. And both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives? in the lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening in the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So let's go ahead and stop there before Peter closes with his final exhortation. Right? So once again, the issue here begins with these scoffers who have basically said, hey, Jesus is not going to come. Things are as they always have been. It just continues on and it will continue to go on. Right? There has been no change in the world's affairs. So perhaps there will be no return of Jesus, no justice for the elect, no final goal for the world. And Peter responds to this in two ways. First, the scoffers seem to agree that God indeed made the earth, formed it out of water, but they forgot that God also used water as an instrument of judgment in the great flood. The God of creation is also a God of judgment. And when God judges the world again, it will not be with water, but with fire. Second, one should remember God's forbearance and patience. God operates on his own eschatological schedule. A thousand years is like a single day to him. That is, he is above, he is outside, he is transcendent to time, right? The apparent delay in the Lord's Jesus' return is due to God's patience, not wanting any of his elect to perish, and thus leaving time for them to come to full repentance and to come to full redemption, right? Notice he said he is patient towards you. Well, who is the you, right? He has already said, right, 
those who he has set apart, those who he has called to himself. So he is going to ensure that not one of his sheep are lost. Not one of them uh, are kept from being gathered. And so his patience, his 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 forbearance and not having come is from the fact that he still has a people to save. And when the fullness of them have been saved, then he will come like a thief in the night. All right? This will issue in some sort of cosmic conflagration, but it will not be a matter of creation being burned up, as some manuscripts put it, but more properly, laid bare. That is to say that the present world of space, time, and matter is going, not going to be just utterly destroyed, but rather purified, brought into a perfect and purified state. And that is, you know, this idea of fire here is the idea that everything will be testified and everything that doesn't meet the righteous standard of God, right? That idea that everything that is, not, that is forged uh, through the purity that he brings forth to the world, everything else will be burned up. So that which is not within the pure standard that he has for his new heavens and new earth to come, right? It will be utterly and absolutely burned away. The chaff, right? And all of these things. And so given all of this, what should believers do? And Peter makes very clearly it's this. They should live godly lives in preparation for the new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the beautiful reality of the already but not yet. We are already citizens of heaven. We are the first fruits of the new creation. And therefore, we should live lives that reflect that. We shouldn't be waiting for it to get here. We shouldn't be living foolishly and wickedly and living for the flesh, living for sin and longing for the pure righteousness that's going to come in the new heaven and new earth, right? We should begin living in light of those realities already. Our lives should reflect the fact that we await a Lord who is coming to gather a pure bride, a bride who is betrothed to him, who has its sole affection towards him and longs to see him come to bring full and final consummation to that glorious marriage where we will dwell and eat and be in full joy with our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, forever and always as we celebrate the glorious realities of eternal fellowship, eternal relationship with our great God in heaven. So we are to live now in preparation for the glory to come. Verse 14 to the end. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for those, for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them in these matters. Now, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. But you, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All this final closing admission, the the call to ensure and to make known the assurance of our election and calling in the Lord, 
the warning against false teachers and the danger of those scoffers who mock and who put off the realities of Christ come, it leads to this final call to patience and holiness, right? which corresponds to God's own patience and holiness. His patience should count as salvation. In other words, the reason he delays is the glorious reality that he is still saving. He's still saving. And this is a complete feature and a regular feature of Paul's letters, Peter says. And I love here because if you've ever struggled understanding Paul's theology or or, or, or the way in which Paul's theology is so deeply and often debated, uh, then, then it's easy. It, it's good to know because because Peter says, listen, it's easy to pervert what Paul says and believers must avoid that danger. There are many who do that. But most importantly, look at what he says here. They, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So what's he saying about Paul's writings? He's saying they're scripture. They are scripture. So already, right, here within the first century, well before anything that will come, well before uh, you know, Athanasius' festal letters and anything like that, what do you have? You have the canonization, the clear reality that Paul's writings are indeed Scripture. They are God-breathed. And you already have an apostolic witness that of such reality here by the mid-AD 60s. What an incredible truth that we have. So when in a time when so much of Paul's writings are attacked, Peter makes clear right here, they are the words of Scripture. What a powerful truth, and a truth that is testified of all of our New Testament. It indeed is Scripture. It indeed is the Word of God. And it indeed can, is sufficient to bring us to perfection through the sanctification of the Spirit as our lives are conformed to the teaching of the Word. And that is what's called to happen in this present age as we await the return of our Lord, to have our lives daily conformed to the image of Christ through the Word by the Spirit, living lives of holiness and purity, awaiting the day when our Jesus comes to take us home forever and always, to be with Him forever in the new heavens and new earth. God bless.